Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. Ursula K. Le Guin's third Earthsea novel, The Farthest Shore, sees the Archmage Sparrowhawk, or Ged, and his young companion from Enlad, who is descended from the princes and indeed all the way back to a great culture hero. His name is Aaron, this young man, going off on a quest together to try to determine the origin of this crisis, whose effects, as we see developing through the novel, are getting worse and worse and worse, sucking not only joy and life and direction, but even magic out of Earthsea, all through the agency of somebody who is afraid of death and afraid of life. And Aaron pledges himself early on to Ged to be his companion, to obey him, to show loyalty to him. But in the mid part of the work, he goes through, we could say, a crisis of faith. And we see this depicted in very emotional ways. And so we can think about confusion, anger, fear, resentment, even terror. All of these things come up. Despair as well for, for Aaron. And his commitment is going to get tested as time goes on. One of the first things that kind of prefigures what's happening is when he asks the Archmage, they're both in disguise and they're going to Hort Town. And he says, aren't you defended against thieves and so on? And Sparrowhawks is defended. What do you mean? Do you think I go about wrapped in spells like an old woman afraid of the rheumatism? I haven't the time for it. I hide my face to hide our quest. That's all we can look out for each other. But the fact is we're not going to be able to keep out of danger on this journey. And then we see Aaron responding. Of course not, Aaron said stiffly, angered, angered in his pride. I did not seek to do so. That's just as well, the mage said, inflexible, and yet with a kind of good humor that appeased Aaron's temper. Indeed, he was startled by his own anger. He'd never thought to speak thus to the Archmage. But this then was and was not the Archmage, this hawk with the snub nose and square ill-shaven cheeks. And as we're going to see going on through the story, the shine that's originally there on this great figure of the Archmage is going to start to wear off and Aaron is going to get more resentful, more fearful. So, you know, he's asking why doesn't Ged actually use magic when he can? This will come up as a sticking point later on. And then the biggest question is why does Ged take somebody who's clearly insane, who might knife them in the dark or push them overboard or lie to them? Why does he take a madman on board? And then we get to this chapter, this discussion where what's going on with Aaron is being depicted right? There's a lot of things going on. And I would say that we go beyond doubt, which gets mentioned into actual despair with these voices. And this happens in a chapter called The Madman, right? So Aaron is starting to think to himself, he says, he hints of this and hints of that, but he'll never tell me clearly where we're going or why or why I should go there. And now he drags this madman with us. Which is maddest, the lunatic or I, for coming with him? The two of them may understand each other. It's the wizards who are mad now. 
And he goes on, he says, why did I come with him? Why did he bring me? Because it's my way to go. But that's wizard's talk, making things seem great by great words. The meaning of the words is always somewhere else. If I have any way to go, it's to my home, not wandering senselessly among the reaches. And then he goes on, he says, if he really thinks there's some enemy of wizardry at work, why did he come alone with me? He could have brought another mage to help him, a hundred of them. He could have brought an army of warriors, a fleet of ships. Is this how a great peril is met by sending out an old man? and a boy in a boat. This is mere folly. He is mad himself. It is, as he said, he seeks death. He seeks death and he wants to take me with him. But I'm not mad and not old. I will not die. I will not go with him. So Aaron is engaging in this interior dialogue. And later on, just in the same chapter, we see Aaron saying to himself, what a fool he'd been to entrust himself body and soul to this restless and secretive man who let impulse move him and made no effort to control his life, nor even to save it. It was clear now that to those who knew the secrets, there were not many secrets to the art magic from which Sparrowhawk and all the generations of sorcerers and wizards had made much fame and power. There was not much more to it than the use of wind and weather, the knowledge of healing herbs, and a skillful show of such illusions and mists and lights and shape changes which could awe the ignorant but which were mere tricks. Reality was not changed. There was nothing in magery that gave a man true power over men, nor was it any use against death. Even in small matters, majory was not worth counting on. Sparrowhawk was always miserly about employing his arts. And so Aaron is now not just entertaining doubts. He is actually telling himself things about this person that he has pledged himself to. So one of these is they're crazy. They're madmen. They're foolish. They make bad decisions. Another is that wizards are big talkers. They talk a good game, but none of the things that they say actually mean anything. Their tricks are really just that, just tricks, illusions, moving the wind around a bit. He's ignoring some of the key arts, isn't he? Summoning, changing, patterning, and focusing on some of the things that are taught at Rogue. He's also saying Ged is indeed seeking death, seeking his death. And Aaron doesn't want to die. He doesn't want to be dragged along on this crazy thing that's not an adventure anymore, but now a mad quest. And this comes to a crisis in a very physical way at Obahol, this island that Sopli is supposedly guiding them to. What we find is that spears are thrown by the people on the shore and Sopli jumps off of the boat and winds up drowning. Even though he's afraid of the water, he's more afraid of of death by getting speared. Ged himself gets speared in the shoulder and pretty badly wounded. Aaron is stricken with emotions that he can't really handle. They manage to get out of the harbor and then they drift. What happens? Well, we find out. Aaron takes the shoulder joint and collarbone and starts tearing strips from a linen shirt and helps him bandage the wound. And Sparrowhawk says, I have no strength for spells. Can you get us out of this bay? And Aaron manages to do that. And then as Ged starts to slip into unconsciousness and the boat stops moving, we find this. All this while, Aaron had felt a sickly, heavy, 
horror, which grew on him and held him from action as if winding his body and mind in fine threads. No courage rose up in him to fight against the fear, only a kind of dull resentment against his lot. He should not let the boat drift here near the rocky shores of a land whose people attacked strangers. This was clear to his mind, but it did not mean much. That's really important. The meaning of things is ebbing away. What was he to do instead? Row the boat back to Roke? He was lost, utterly beyond hope in the vastness of the reach. He could never bring the boat back through those weeks of voyage to any friendly land. Only with the mage's guidance could he do it. And Sparrowhawk was hurt and helpless as suddenly and meaninglessly as Sopley was dead. He says, what did it matter? There was no good in anything, no use. The luck had run out. Hours went by, the sun beat down, the grayish heat wrapped Aaron round. He sat on moving. A little bit later, we find that he's sort of just giving up. He looks at Ged with the clear eyes of despair and saw nothing. No memory stirred in him of the fountain under the rowan tree or the white mage light on the slave ship in the fog or the weary orchards of the house of the dyers, nor did any pride or stubbornness of will wake in him. He watched on come over the quiet sea where low great swells ran colored like pale amethyst. There was nothing, a gap, a void. There were no depths. So fortunately, they're saved by the children of the open sea and Ged is healed there. And then there's a confession of what happened on his part by Aaron to Ged. He tells him, here we go. I betrayed your trust in me. Ged says, how so, Aaron? There at Obahol, when for once you needed me, you were hurt and needed my help. I did nothing. The boat drifted and I let her drift. You were in pain and I did nothing for you. I saw land, but I did not even try to turn the boat. And Ged says, tell me what you thought at that time. Aaron says, nothing. Nothing. I thought there was no use in doing anything. I thought your wizardry had gone. Know that it had never been. That you tricked me. I was afraid of you. I was afraid of death. I was so afraid of it. I would not look at you because you might be dying. I could think of nothing except that there was. There was a way of not dying for me if I could find it. But all the time life was running out as if there was a great wound and the blood running from it such as you had. But this was in everything. And I did nothing, nothing but try to hide from the horror of dying. And Ged tells him, you didn't lose yourself. Despair is something difficult for a young person to take on. Here we go. 17 years give little armor against despair. And Aaron says, I I sought death. And he says, no, no, you weren't. You were afraid of it. So this is a very important turning point emotionally, in terms of action, in terms of understanding himself, in terms of growth, and in terms of the relationship between Ged and Aaron for this novel. Without going through something like this, Aaron would just be a sidekick. Through this, he becomes somebody who can see the journey through to the very end, beyond into the realm of death, the dry land, and even out of that, beyond that, all the way to the end of the novel, riding on the back of the oldest dragon in existence. All that has to happen after he goes through these doubts, these despairs, his anger, and his fear. He comes to know himself through that. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. 
Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.